Hello, Diversity on a Hill podcast listeners. We have a special announcement we want to make. We're trying to promote a conference event. A conference event? Yeah. Where? Oh, well, it's at Georgia Cumberland Academy. That's where we'll be holding it. Sweet. What is it? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's called a Civil Conversations on Race. Nice. Yeah, it kind of goes a little bit with what we've been trying to do here in the podcast, right? Yeah, so we know that it's going to be at GCA, but then when is it going to be? It is going to be Sabbath, October 24, starting at 10 a.m., and we're going to have two sessions, one in the morning that goes from 10 to 12. We will provide lunch for those of you who will come, but it's very limited space, so if you want to be there in person, please register right now at the Georgia Cumberland Conference um, website, which is gccsda.com, and then click on the little announcement thing there that says Civil Discussions on Race. That's cool. Yeah. And then in the afternoon, we'll have another session after the lunch uh, from two to four. And then we'll call it a day. We will also be trying to stream it. And that will be on the conference website as well soon. Go to the conference website for more information. Once again, it's Civil Conversations on Race, a biblically generated dialogue on race, culture, and our call to be a peculiar people. Beautiful. So again, October the 24th, October 24th. at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. at GCA. GCA, but you have to register to go in person. Sounds like a plan. All right. If see not, you there. We'll see you on the stream. Welcome to the Diversity on the Hill podcast. With Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Curcio. Here are the ground rules for our conversation. Respect one another. Openness. No assumptions allowed. Mistakes are welcome. And let's grow together. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Diversity on a Hill podcast. I hope you are all doing well. I love that excitement. I'm sure they're doing well. Are they? How are you doing? I'm good. Are like, you? I'm excited for this episode. Are, are you? Why are you excited about this episode? Because we're hearing back from our listeners, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be great. Be able to discuss uh, some of your opinions, mm-hmm. which is what we're looking forward to. So you don't, you're not always hearing from pj and pk here by the way um and uh we're just glad that we got this covered yeah this is gonna be a good episode so we're we're excited to, to get this one going we are going to call this talk back your like, parents like talk back like don't talk back to me or yeah kind of i mean how many times as a kid did you hear your mom say don't talk back to me all the time yeah <laughs> it, it wasn't pretty no no. no, that normally was accompanied by uh, something. Uh, like a back of a hand. Uh, yeah, or a chancleta. Chancleta. For, <laughs> yeah. for those of you who aren't Hispanic, we might talk about that at some other point. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, a chancleta is a slipper, by the way. Yeah. Or like, like a thong sandal, though, mm-hmm. you know, like that mm-hmm. kind. Y- you know, maybe this is a, ta- a, a discussion for another time, but I know many people got the chancleta. Oh, okay, okay. And I don't know if my oldest brother got the chancleta but i never did so it wasn't what? part of my it wasn't part of my upbringing you except lucky. for once i did get it once okay um i made my mom so upset once she took off her her shoe her chancleta i, I think it was a, a slip on it wasn't it? A, a normal chancleta and she mm-hmm. just threw it at me <laughs> and i i was old enough i was a teenager at this point in time mm-hmm. i think i was a junior or senior and i, I mean i must have done something you know, I must have talked back in a way that she didn't like. <laughs> right. But I played it up so well. Like, uh-huh. I was like, oh, mom. And I looked so hurt. I was really acting. And she felt really Mercy. bad about it. Oh, but, look at that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad there's no acting here on the Diversity on the Hill podcast. No, 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 no. Everything you get here is 100% us. Yeah, and you can reach out to us, too. This is what we did here, How do they right? do that? How do they do that? How can other people be... Uh, do what we are going to like do today. What we're going to share? Well, it's simple. Yeah. Reach out to us on diversityonahill at gmail.com. And we spell that with a C, not an S. That's correct. Or otherwise, you won't find us. Or reach out to us on Instagram. You can leave some comments there. Same place. You can find us at diversity with a C on a hill on Instagram. That's an account like right, we established last time. All right. So, <laughs> so now um, we'll be right back with the segment talk back 
Don't talk back. No, actually, do talk back. Talk back. Yeah, that's our segment. Here so, we go. we've got this email that it was actually a few weeks ago. It kind of got buried on us. And so, but we want to share it because there's a lot of great perspectives here. And it actually is part of the dialogue we want to have. And this is, this is a, a perspective that uh, basically from a, a a white lady. A white lady. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's good because we need, <laughs> once again, we need different perspectives. And yes. there's some things here that I have even thought in kind of my life. So we got this email a couple weeks ago. We got permission to, to read it. And this is from a, a listener. I almost said reader. <laughs> They're not reading us. A no. listener. And she goes by the name of Amy. And so she starts off very nicely here. And uh, this might change the way we talk about... Uh, PK here, our Pastor Curcio. Uh-oh. She starts off, quick side note, remember the old school Hook movie with Robin Williams? Remember that, Curcio? Oh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I like that movie. Actually. I don't remember it very well. You, you showed really? me that clip, and I'm like, oh, I remember this part. Uh-huh. But only after you showed me. Remember when the Lost Boys chanted, Rufio, Rufio, and then they go, Rufio! <laughs> yep. Yeah, she says that's how she wants to say Curcio. Oh. So maybe from now on, we'll be like, Curcio! <laughs> like, be careful. Yeah. Look out. All right. No, Look no, no. no it's, it's in a good way, man. Oh. Oh, I like that. Look <laughs> out below. Okay. Well, anyways, she uh, emailed us in response to episode number four. Uh-huh. And that was when we were processing the shooting. Yes. And so this is, we're going to read her email in almost its entirety. Oh, and by the way, it's processing Jacob Blake's shooting. Yes. Just for the record. Nope. Okay, yes. Processing another shooting. Wasn't that the title mm-hmm. of the... Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, but I just want to make sure they knew who... Well, if they don't know, they should go back and listen to that. Well, that's too. We encourage you to yeah. do that. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that, so that will make more sense as, we, as you listen to this. There you go. Listen to that, so this makes sense. I like your talking <laughs> back. It's real sweet. All right. <laughs> go ahead. All right. So here she goes. Here's my rambling mind after listening. I hope you like the long scrolls in the park. Race relations in our time seem so gaslighting. Ooh, gaslighting. What is that, Curcio? Curcio! Yeah, see, you wanted to call me Rufio. That's all I almost went there. (laughs) All right, so so gaslighting is not just light from gas. You know, that's kind of like the... I never thought the that. standard okay but <laughs> definition. Anyhow, so dictionary.com defines it this way: it is to cause a person to doubt his or her sanity through the use of psychological manipulation. Mm. All right, so I had to say, okay, well, let's see what the Urban Dictionary, uh, how the Urban Dictionary defines it, and it's actually pretty similar. It says a form of intimidation mm. or psychological abuse, sometimes called ambient abuse, where false information is presented to the victim, making them doubt their own memory, perception, and quite often their sanity. Okay. So gaslighting, the way we're using it in, in most terms today, is basically just kind of lighting a fire with mm-hmm. either misinformation or uh, what I would call confrontational right. uh, things. Mm-hmm. And so as as... As you know, we're trying to have conversations here. We're trying to bring up these subjects in a way to, to strive for unity, not striving for division, or not even trying to prove our own point. Exactly. And so... No gaslighting Yeah, w- we hope not. Maybe in fun once in a while, but we don't... Anyways, she continues. There seems to be gaslighting. We don't have as many clear-cut issues today like voting rights or desegregation. Mm-hmm. Not only aren't many... Uh, not only... Uh, many white people are not sure what to do. Mm. Many can't see that there's a thing to do at all. Mm. People seem offended at the suggestion that our ancestors may not have swept all the corners of the house. Mm. That's a good line. I like that. That is a good line. It seems hard to connect that a love of our country and constitution can also mean finding more cobwebs to clear out. <laughs> it's a wise statement. It is. So what do you think here? There's a couple, there's quite a little bit to unpack here. First off, the fact that many, and I've heard this before, many white people aren't sure what to do. Yes. Not only then are they sure not what to do, some of them aren't even sure there's anything they can do. And she gets a little bit into a little bit, I think, later on. But what do you think about that? I, I agree with her. I mean, she says that some people get offended at the suggestion that our ancestors may not have swept all the corners of the house. Mm-hmm. And what she's basically saying, we don't, people today don't feel responsible for the sins of the past. 
they I mean, if I'm reading and understanding her correctly, Amy, you're gonna have to reach out to us again. Well, just to clarify, I think what but. she's saying is that it, it's hard for some people to look at this country because they value it so much. At least this is what I think she's saying. But they get offended at, oh, wait, there's something wrong? You know, we're always trying to, we should always be trying to fix something in yeah. our lives. I mean, well, in the simple world, striving we know for better. In the simple world, it's broken. Right. right? Exactly. So we understand that. Um, well, anyhow, the way I interpret it is there are people who just don't want to take responsibility for what happened in the past, mm. like what their ancestors did. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's like, well, how are we going to do rest restitutions or how are we going to fix this when I'm not even responsible for what was done? Mm. And I think that that's part of the, the challenge, even when they're talking about restitutions, you know, wanting restitutions for for having whites having a leg up over the blacks or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th that kind of stuff is challenging because how exactly do you quantify that? How exactly do you uh, how do you determine? Sure. You know, how much you, you're going to give or do. And, th and that is a problem. No one likes having something held above them that they did. 10 years ago. Yes. How much more would it be upsetting if someone came to me and said, hey, listen, your great grandfather did this. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to hold you accountable for it. And I'm, I'm totally lost. I don't even like when someone holds me accountable for a mistake I made five years ago. I'd be like, all right, enough. Let it go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, we already have issues with that. Right. How much more this where you don't feel like you're even responsible for that. But look, and maybe this is not the direction you want us to go so quick, but but I'm going to have to All go there right, because this is what go. we do, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly what Jesus did, though. Hmm. He okay. took the sins of our ancestors, mm -hmm. Adam and Eve, right? Because mm -hmm. through them is how sin came into this world. Sure. I mean, they didn't invent it, obviously. This is Satan's doing. But the idea was they gave in to sin. Mm -hmm. And now we're in this situation, in this broken world, because of the decisions they made, but... But God said, I'm going to send a redeemer. I'm going to send a savior who's going to pay the penalty for what you did. Yeah, but it's what I did. No, 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 no. He's talking about what Adam and Eve did. Yeah, I know. But I am also a sinner. Correct. So I've continued to do the same problem in Adam and Eve. Not everyone sees it this way. For instance, I can see lots of people saying, well, I never owned a slave. I'm not racist. Correct. I'm not. Uh, this I I don't hold these same views. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you holding me accountable? Correct. And then, as Christians uh -huh. now, because this is the context, right? Okay. We are called to stand for those and with those mm -hmm. who suffered these things. That's what you do. That's the point. It's not so much the restitutions. It's not so much. Um, I don't know what to do. Well, yes, you do as a Christian, because God has already told us in His Word. We need to stand for those who are oppressed. All right. So I totally agree with you. That's what we should do as Christians. But as I read this, there, in, in, and I can resonate with this a little bit, because when the first, when the George Floyd video came out, mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before, yep. there was a sense of helplessness and a sense of, well, what do I do? How can I even change this? And a lot of people came out with, with comments, and it seemed like every... Every institution was releasing a, a, a press release or a statement, <laughs> yeah. which in reality, does that really do anything? We talked about that. Yeah, we already talked about that. And But I, I can see like this view here of, well, here's another shooting, but I am here. I am th maybe thousands of miles away. Maybe even you're two miles away. But mm. there is a sense of helplessness. Yes. And, and I understand that. But the, but her point is that some people get offended at the suggestion that they have to do something. I, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And that's where I'm sure. coming from, where it's like, how can we get offended about the suggestion that we have to do something when, as Christians, we know we have a responsibility? So okay. maybe you can't do anything for George Floyd's family, mm -hmm. but you can do something for a family that is nearby that may be suffering. Sure. Now I, I no I, I agree with you I think we're we're actually honing in on the two different sentences. Oh okay. Uh, but that's okay. All right. So I think we got that. Well, anyways, as we read, we'll we'll just continue to to, to read along her her email. Sure. Uh, she continues it. to say so much that people of color deal with today is an accumulation of microaggressions. Mm -hmm. Any one of these uh, would make a person feel petty to complain about. Hmm. Microaggressions is a weird one for me. I got to be honest. Sure. So this is what microaggressions is. I stuck with the Urban Dictionary, 
And it says, acts or words that are perceived to be insulting by a person who is looking to be insulted. Whether or not that was the intent of the, the transgressor. Okay, hold on. Okay. Usually a symptom of a persecution complex. That's what the Urban Dictionary, how it defines microaggression. I'm not sure that's the way people have been defining it lately, though. <laughs> well, that's why I, uh, when I was reading it, I was like, say what? Yeah. So what, what's, your underst- what's your personal understanding? Like my personal understanding of a microaggression is someone saying something that's um, maybe racially based, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little ignorant, or someone might think it's a slightly racist um, but it's not like a huge, huge racist statement. So it's not like, I hate black people. It might be something like, uh, one of the examples I heard of a microaggression is, um, you're the whitest black person I know. <laughs> yeah. Or there was another one that, that seemed kind of weird to me that didn't seem like a microaggression to me. Um, and now, now I do believe there is a possibility of microaggressions, but some of the microaggressions that I've heard aren't aggressive. So this is the example that, that the Urban Dictionary gives. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about this? Person one and person two. I'll go, I'll go that way. It says, hey, I'm hungry. Do you want to go to KFC for lunch? Person two says, what? You think I want to eat fried chicken just because I'm black? Person mm. one. What? No, I just... Person two. You can't take your microaggressions and shove them... Oh, sorry. Careful. That you you're... can take your microaggressions and shove oh, okay. them, you racist SOB. Oh, okay. That's that's the example the Urban Dictionary gave of that in, interaction. But that's not the way it's really being used right now. It doesn't feel like it. Like so, that, like it. So one example of a microaggression that I, that I heard is, uh, and I was talking to this uh, about this with another friend of mine, was there are certain people like who maybe want to touch a black person's hair. Yeah. Can I touch I've your hair? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and there are certain people who say that's a microaggression. Uh, okay. like, why do they want to touch my hair? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you can't touch my hair, <laughs> you know, just because it's different just because I'm black. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, it, again, if it's, if it's something that was not intended to hurt the person, it was unintentional. Yeah. But, but some people, gets, yeah, but some people think, well, it's so ingrained in the culture. They're not being intentionally hurt, but because of the racist culture or racist system, no one knows it's racist to want to touch my hair. Right. Well, again, I've had that experience. Uh-huh. How and did it feel to you? <laughs> to me, it was just comical. Okay. I was like, really? Okay, sure. You know, it just feels like hair <laughs> yeah. to me. But but the point was, it, it, I didn't take offense to it because I, I knew they didn't have any ill will with their with their question mm-hmm. they were just honestly like we've never seen hair like that you right. know can i can i feel and then now the question was in, that was interesting to me was when they were like so do you make it how do you make it curl mm. and it's like it does it on <laughs> its own <laughs> i i wake up yeah as simple as that yeah. so so like i said there are that those experiences sorry that in my sense, I wasn't expecting or wasn't looking for uh, to be offended because of what they asked. But there are people that are so sensitive right now yeah. that if you were to ask them something like that, they would be offended. And I think this is what Amy's trying to, to point out. Here. Yeah, and I get that too. Um, but are we, and going back to the Urban Dictionary, I'm wondering, it, do, do part of us actually look for things to be upset about? Because I'm just going back to this hair thing because I just I just don't get it. And a friend of mine t- told me just because you don't get it doesn't mean it's not a problem. Right. And I understand that as well. I, I don't easily get offended. Me neither. Um, I mean, hey, one time some guy came into my office. I'm I'm his pastor. He comes to my office, sits down in front of me and starts talking about the problem with Puerto Rico. Whoa. Now I'm. For those of you who don't know, I'm Puerto Rican. My parents are Puerto Rican. Right. And it was during the hurricane thing, and there was a lot of political stuff going on there. A whole lot. <laughs> and so he was talking about the corruption there and all this kind of stuff. And to be honest with you, I didn't take it personally. I wasn't offended. Right. I didn't agree with what he said, but I was just like, oh, okay. So tell me how you really feel. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't take offense because he he knew me. He liked me. Mm-hmm. He obviously wasn't. Anyways. But. But going back to this hair thing, here's why I don't 
always understand it because within our culture, I can understand why you may take offense. But when we take a look at the broader culture, world culture, mm -hmm. is it really, do we really get a feel of what's a microaggression or what's not? For instance, when we lived in Thailand, mm -hmm. my nieces had blonde hair. The Thai people wanted to touch their blonde hair. Of course. Because it was blonde, it was straight, it was thin, and they were like, oh, let me touch it. Yep. N at no time were we like, is this because I'm white? Mm -hmm. No, it's because I'm different, and right. there's a curiosity there. Exactly. So so that's where the microaggressions comes in. Yeah. Where people feel like like somebody is is being insensitive to them, but that's not... Like they're being stereotyped. I think that's that's kind of the mm -hmm. whole idea. Yeah. Where you would think, hey, only because you said that, why did you say that? Because of what you think of me, mm -hmm. and and that's kind of what was displayed in the in the example in the Urban Dictionary. Have you ever felt like someone was doing a microaggression to you? Yeah. So here's a great example. Uh -huh. People, um, I just witnessed this yesterday, okay. and I again, I don't think anything of it. We kind of do this in the church, right? Mm -hmm. But there was a uh, a person of color, right, to use Amy's terms, uh, that came into, uh, into a meeting that I was at. And the person that was leading the meeting was like, hey, brother, how are you? Or welcome, brother, I think is what he said. Okay. So here's the idea. Oftentimes it's happened to me that a person that is not of color uh, okay, would refer to me as brother because that's how they understand that people of color greet them, greet each other. Hmm. So it's like brother, 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 right? Yeah. Instead so I, of hey okay. man or what's up, bro, or you know, like like that whole concept of of bro and brother. Yeah. I saw it play out, and I was like, I wonder if they said it like unconsciously, like like they didn't say it to stereotype the person. But particularly even inside of our church. Yeah, but, okay. That's, has that person talked, have you seen that person talk to another person of non-color and not use the brother? Term? Yes. Okay, because I use brother all the time in different contexts. Mm -hmm. I've, and in the church, it's actually a term that I do, some Christians do use, like, you're As my brother in Christ. As an endearing term, yeah, yeah. You're my brother. And I've seen white people, Hispanics, and Afri now African-Americans seem to use it on a broader basis. Correct. But it's more prevalent is what I'm saying. Hmm. And I've seen it happen to where the same it's happened to me where I saw somebody greet me and say brother and greet somebody else and say man. Do you think they were trying to be culturally? No, no. This is this is what I'm talking about. This is how the microaggressions function, where I have a moment or an opportunity to say, why did you call me brother? Okay. Was it because I'm a person of color? Or was it just because, you know, some other reason? How you see how you see how this gets in a really Yes, and weird that's what place? she's pointing out. That's why she said that no. I'll read it again, her sentence. Yeah. Listen to this. She says, So much after she's talking about, you know, the the whole fiasco of gaslighting, she yeah. says, So much that people of color deal with today is the accumulation of microaggressions. Any one of which would make a person feel petty to complain about. So it's like even though I would feel offended for something like somebody wanting to touch my hair, it seems petty. But there's so much of it that happens that it's like you get worn down where you're like, you know what, I'm going to let that slide, I'm going to let that slide, I'm going to let that slide, and then I'm going to tackle the bigger issues. Okay. I understand what you're saying, and I understand what she's saying. I do feel like there's a lot of people, including myself, mm -hmm who don't see these comments as microaggressions. I see them as like either you're trying to fit into a culture to be more relevant to them, or it's just a thing you say, or there's a curiosity, like with the hair, it's just a curiosity. Right. But, but why is that? What I'm saying is why do you take that as a, why would someone take that as a microaggression? Because it's based on the person's perception. That was the definition. Uh, Acts are words that are perceived to be insulting by a person who is looking to be insulted. No, no, no. See, it's how they said. I mean, yeah, yeah that's how they said it. I don't. Because I know people. To, mm -hmm. I know people who have said that's a microaggression who aren't looking to, 
who I don't think are looking to be offended. Correct. They're not looking for it, but their spidey senses are up that if it were to happen, they'll pick it up. Man, this is we've gone off the deep end on this one. <laughs> Anyways, microaggressions right. are still something that I'm 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 struggling with personally as to understand exactly what they are. But again, it's not because the person wants to offend. And that's the whole caveat. That's the crossroad mm-hmm. with this whole microaggression thing. The like you said earlier, you may be trying to do it as a term of endearment. You're trying to not offend. You're trying to make the person feel comfortable mm-hmm. with the comment that you're making. But then the person who may be sensitive perceives that as why you, you know, why are you stereotyping me kind of thing. And I think that that's where the, the challenge is because it wasn't in the intent was never to hurt the person's feelings or to call them out or to stereotype them. But that's how the person interpreted it. All right. Well, we got to move on because we're going down a, a deep rabbit hole. And I'd love to talk to someone who uh, understands maybe microaggressions like in your life. Maybe you've dealt with it. And I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it because I'm, I'm, I'm I can't really wrap my head around this one uh, very well. And I know part of it's just the way I am. I'm just like, OK, cool. Uh, <laughs> all right. She continues. Issues of police violence against people of color are also crazy, hard to sort out. Crazy, mm-hmm. hard to sort out. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that. Some of the history of policing is extraordinarily racist. Mm -hmm. But today there are really fantastic people. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming police, police officers. Right. There are certainly a few bigots as well. Um, Even among great police and all people, there are implicit bias and exposure and an exposure load to deal with. There's a lot to unpack there. That's almost a whole episode in itself. (laughs) Yeah, it is. She did really good there. I mean, yeah. She's right. And we talked about this when we when we were talking about the police and we were saying they're not all bad apples. There are some bad apples and those are the ones that are ruining it for the bunch. Right. Um, There is a perception, though, however, that policing overall is still racist at its core. Like the concept of policing. Yeah. Since it did start with a racist overtone or or just outright um, thing. Is there, I guess the question is, is there still an implicit racism within the police structure? I wouldn't say that there is that, like, like the intent is not there. I don't, I don't believe so. Not, not to today as it was when it was first established. No, mm-hmm. I, I want to believe that, that they have good intentions, but there are some yeah. That become police officers that do have that idea and that mentality and they want to, quote unquote, keep it the way it's been. Sure. And not lose that. Yeah. And this brings me back to another conversation I had with another friend of mine about this. Sure. Um, I'm not sure the systems are necessarily racist in policing. I do think that there are people who corrupt the systems because at the beginning, I do think the systems were implicitly racist Mm -hmm. over time. There has been a correction of policies, a correction of laws. Well, the more involvement you get and the more diverse you get in the police force, that's evident or the most, well, you would hope so. Or, or over time people is like, Oh, this is obviously wrong. We Mm -hmm. can't do this outright. We need to change the laws. Exactly. However, there still are people in there who use those laws to their advantage. Oh, no, no question. And, and so that's why I'm, I'm, you know, with policing, it's 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 it is crazy hard to sort out, as she said here. Yeah. But again, this is embedded in the mind of the kids, though. See, like like if you talk about a child that grows up in the hood, mm-hmm. they are already programmed by the experiences that they have, the things that they see, the things that they hear. That police are not on their side. Mm hmm. You know, when we did the clickbait about the video with the kid, yeah. you, know, one night, you know, these are the kind of ideas that are instilled in a lot of these kids just because of their circumstances and where they're growing up. So when you think about that particular uh, situation, then you're like, yikes, because not all the cops that drive through the hood are bad. Mm-hmm. And but this. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of, 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 of a lot of undertones to that as well. When you talk about um, the idea of, well. What if they behaved? You know, people will say that. Well, what if they just chose the right lifestyle? They wouldn't have to be afraid. You know, there's a lot of undertones there as well that I don't I don't feel are 
quite as um, holistically informed. Yeah, no, of course not. It's not fair to, to, to go down that road either. But in the end, I think until someone has a different experience than what they were thinking, they're going to keep holding on to that. It's just hard to let go just because somebody said so. Yeah. And Amy brings up a lot of great, like, um, comments or great phrases here, like the microaggressions and, and you know, kind of these these words that are being thrown out a lot. And one of them is implicit bias as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that's another one that's kind of out there. And, I mean, I guess I'm... That one's another one for me that I'm still kind of... Yeah, I was going to ask you, what are, what are your thoughts on implicit bias? Well, first, I'd, I want to kind of define it as to what it means. All right, sure. All right, so implicit bias, which is also used as implicit stereotype. All right, so so this is... Couldn't find a true definition for implicit bias, but here's implicit stereotype. Uh, in a social identi- identity theory, uh, an implicit bias or implicit stereotype is the pre-reflective attribution of particular qualities by an individual to a member of someone social out group. Yeah. All right, I'll read that again. Yeah, no wonder <laughs> I have a problem with this. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> so in social identity theory, an implicit bias or implicit stereotype is the pre-reflective attribution of particular qualities, sorry, uh, by an individual to a member of someone's social out group. So what it's saying is even if we don't uh, think we have a bias towards a certain group of people, it's implicit in the way that we uh, interact with or talk about a particular group of people. So it's beliefs and feelings we have about a social group Yeah, uh, that are sometimes shown outward but most of the time it's maybe inward we don't even know we have it yes that's a thank you for making that simple yeah well, well i'm trying i mean because i couldn't even say attribution earlier <laughs> <laughs> the second go around i guess that's why this one is so so hard for me to to wrap my head around as well um you know i know i'm a believer that all of us have some kind of bias in us yes or we some kind that. of understanding of another group mm-hmm Uh, That's based upon our experience. That's correct. Right. And so obviously that's going to affect the way we deal with people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm I'm not sure that that necessarily causes someone to treat someone poorly, but perhaps it does. I don't know. Yeah. Again, these things happen. And again, it's a lot of our upbringing and experiences that plays into this, into these behaviors that are just like 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 for instance boys will be boys mm-hmm. oh i hate that term but it's an implicit bias yeah because the truth is well the boy is going to be a boy that's what the boy is going to do yeah you know like that's kind of the idea and it's always to excuse bad behavior exactly yeah. so so my point is that stuff that we grew up with we were told that boys will be boys and that's how quote-unquote not quote unquote, but boys get away with some stuff that is just like, really? You have no business getting away with this. That's just not right. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or girl. Right. So anyhow. So she's saying here, even among great uh, police and and all people, there's implicit bias and exposure load to deal with. And, and that, I think that's that's very true. She continues, as an example, my mom treated skateboarding more dangerous than it probably uh, is and didn't let me do it because she worked for an ER and saw all the worst causes of injury and didn't have the context of all the times people didn't get hurt. Mm. Her exposure wasn't intentional, intentionally unbalanced. Mm. Her training led her to look from one angle and employ very limited solutions. Yep. So she's kind of using that as an example of sometimes we don't have the exposure to the full picture of people. Maybe it's all we see is what we see on TV, mm-hmm. or all we see is uh, on a TV show, or a certain type of music, or the one or two experiences you had with the culture. Exactly. Next, um, one of the most stressful factors a person faces is unpredictability. If someone is always kind or always cruel, at least a person can prepare. This is pretty deep what she said here. Mm -hmm. But I imagine the black experience with police is like Russian roulette, never knowing if this one is going to be the kind, going to be kind or go off the rails. Mm -hmm. It's probably the same thing an officer feels with their interaction with the public. And, and that's something that I feel like we need to, to look at is both sides. Yes. Yeah, she's right. I mean, 
look, we, we talked about this um, mm-hmm. before in earlier conversations. There's always two sides to a story. And just as afraid as I am of being pulled over, sometimes the police officer is of pulling me over. Yeah. Because the police officer doesn't know what they're going to get when they walk over to the car. And that's and that's part of the the fear. That's why we say that because they have a weapon and because of the training that they receive, police officers are in orange. I think was the color that we said. You know, not orange, orange. I think yeah. is what I used. Which is they're almost in code red mm-hmm. on a simple traffic stop. Which a friend of mine who who was a cop said is the most dangerous. One of the most dangerous experiences for a police officer hmm. is a routine traffic stop. So so when you think about that, they're already on high alert. So anything you do is going to trigger the police. But you're already triggered because you're afraid as well. Yeah. So like we talked about before, fear makes us do some crazy things. Yeah, and it's kind of this vicious, vicious cycle. Exactly. And if there is a racist cop, he's looking for something to be upset about. Which is not a good way to live. Trust me, if someone pulled me over and I knew they were looking for something to be upset about, I would be obviously on guard. Yes. Um, and it, you know, it's not, it, it's not easy. You know, it's, it's a very difficult thing, thing to live with and talk about. Right. And that's why right now it's so important for us to get contact, uh, context yeah. for our experiences. We have to be able to, to not just accept things because that's what we were told. But we have to investigate it and in some cases learn for, our, for ourselves, i.e. the Bible. Don't just take what you've been told all the time. Right. Study the word for yourself. But also, not and something I, I like to try to be careful of, and I'm not always good at it, is not taking people at face value in a moment of time. Okay. I don't want to judge someone in a brief moment of time. Yeah, agreed. Because if someone judged me on the seventh week... Of my junior year of high school, I don't know what I did then. I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> it could be very bad. Yes. Like someone could be like, that kid was a punk. I bet he turned out to be a punk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's the only interaction they're judging me upon, not knowing what happened to me that day or not knowing you know, the, the, the surroundings of whatever was happening. Yeah. I mean, we can't blanket statement people, period, or a group of people. Yeah, that's why I feel like it's very, we need to be very careful the terms we use against people, um, especially terms like racist, terms yes. like bigot. Yes. Those are very hard words mm-hmm. when you don't really know the person, even if they said something dumb, if they said something extremely stupid to you that came out so racist, to label them as racist isn't, I don't think is always fair. Yep. Because I've had some people, say, like I said, had conversations with me, said very negative things towards my heritage. Mm-hmm. But I knew them in a grander context. Yes. So I didn't take it as racist. I just took it as, well, that was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, here goes. We have to account for the human, human element mm-hmm. of life. Right. Like, what if that person was having a bad day? Yeah. What if they got up this morning and they were running late? And they spilled some coffee on themselves yeah. and they had to change. And, you know, like you don't know what the person is going through. And and that's why it's like you don't want to judge somebody off of your very first experience, though. We always say first impressions are lasting ones. They are. But, but are they always fair? That's okay. it. Anyways. That's what we're talking about right now. <laughs> You know, Amy, you've got us going on so many directions here. But this we is, love it. This That's, is good, yeah, this is good. This, this is a good time. Yeah, yeah. This so, is a conversation. So right? if you want to have uh want us to have a conversation about what you're thinking, again, I'm gonna reiterate this. Shoot us an email, diversityonahill at gmail.com with a C, and we're more than glad to continue this conversation with yeah. your permission. Well, let's consider let's continue going with Amy's here. Let's do it. Um, where did I leave off? Most okay, here. Maybe, Maybe there mm-hmm. is a factor of media hype and legacy of scary stories that exasperated the fear level. Mm. But the fear is clearly not unfounded. That's interesting because the fear isn't unfounded. Correct. But is there a a media hype that mm. happens with some of these stories? Well, hype is what keeps us coming back to watch the media. Yeah. 
Now, I agree there is media hype and media exaggeration many times. Okay. However, many people would say the media doesn't even cover it all. So how can it be hype if we're not even seeing half the story? This is what we've been dealing with for years. Mm -hmm. This is what we've known has been a part of the system for so many years. Yeah. It, it, it's not hype. What do you say to that? <sighs> you know, it's, it's, still, it's still bringing to light what's taking place. Mm-hmm. And people taking this in, if that's what you're constantly doing, mm -hmm. it's going to impact you regardless. Right. Is there is there a balance? Is there the good stories to go along with the bad stories? Well, sometimes we need to balance it. Mm. Because when you watch the news, you probably get one feel-good story of something that happened and everything else is and bad. And it's in the last 30 seconds. Exactly. So so the, the, the truth is we need to learn or know when we've reached our limit and stop. Just stop feeding that feeling stop feeling that thing that's driving us mad you know just stop yeah all right she keeps going but fear also escalates everyone has the resist to fight or flight adding a source of leaf uh lethal and total power to a situation is also escalating everything is set up to go wrong with the steadfast nerves on both sides it's like we need lion-hearted police who aren't also of the Rambo persuasion. That <laughs> reference is probably getting too old. I get it, Amy, but yeah, some, some of our listeners so do are I. going, what is Rambo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In so many of these brutality or excessive force situations, there's almost no way to prove bias. And that's true. In many cases, we don't know the intent of the person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we don't have the full story either. Like we talked about before. We don't have before. the full story. And uh, Okay. Yeah, but because even in the Jacob Blake shooting, we we when we processed it, we did not have all the details, and we still don't have all the details. What are you talking about? Details. Yep. Uh, but it's only sh it's only sort of showing up in the patterns. Mm -hmm. But many are eager to look for other explanations or to shift blame. Uh, but also, why the bias against people of color specifically? What things in our history of oppression of black people? Can we see that set up uh, that set us up to feel wary of them so far removed a more directly racist society? I think we talked a little bit about that with our history lesson. We did. And we'll probably get more into that in the future. Yes, we will. There are so many factors. I do believe there is also a class bias. Oh, yes. And there is also a logical reason why economically challenged people of any color, by the way, she says, mm -hmm. may not seem more prone to certain crimes. White America is a significant has a significantly economic head start, mm -hmm. so it's a double whammy on people of color. I think in certain areas that is definitely true. Yeah, and again, we go back to that whole concept that this is the world that we live in, mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure out how we as Christians now, because again, this is a religious podcast, and the idea is we want to make sure that we understand. People have are in different places, mm -hmm. but we have a responsibility not to forget our brothers and sisters. Let, let, let's hold on to that because I think down here she talks about some of the things that right. we should do. Sure, and we we can close it off with that. Right. It makes my heart, my sorry, my head swirl and my heart ache. My heart leans towards those who say they they are in pain, and it's my it's my in, it's instinct to believe them. I'm also cursed with the ability to see every side. Sorry, I'm there with you, Amy. <laughs> I do not. F I do feel a sort of gospel responsibility that those with real or perceived power, even belong uh, belonging to historical oppressive groups, need to self-examine. Mm -hmm. uh, while being for everyone, yep. power is where the trust building ideally needs to start. The power doesn't like to freely give of itself. Mm, that's a that's a big statement. Power doesn't like to freely give of itself of course not yeah because once you have power you don't want to lose it yeah and let's hold on to that we all need ground we all need to ground our identity in christ and this is where we come down to mm -hmm. so that we can be vulnerable humble courageous for what realities we may discover yeah so as we continue learning and growing mm -hmm. we're going to see things where we have to grow yeah where we fell short where we made mistakes and that's the whole concept that when we realize these things, we don't just cross our arms and say, well, I don't care. I'm not going to do anything about that. Or that doesn't relate to me or pertain to me. Or I don't need to work on that. I got it figured out. 
I'm happy the way that I am. Those kind of statements are the ones that we're trying to avoid here. Yeah. And, and that's in any circumstance that we're talking about. So when there is that great divide between the haves and the have-nots, you know, when we see that people are hurting, and even though I don't necessarily hurt with them, as a Christian, God is telling me I need to stand with those oppressed. Yeah. So the idea is we need to extend that love and that grace is the, the least we can do as we're trying to imitate God and what he did for us because he didn't have to give his life for us. He didn't have to pay the penalty for us, but he loved us so much that he did just that. And I want to go back to this power struggle th- thing here because hey. pow- power doesn't <laughs> like to give itself up. Of course We're not. seeing this in the political realm right now. Everywhere. We're seeing it. Yeah, yeah. We see it everywhere. But that's why it's so important that we go back to scripture again. Christ turned the power structure on its head. Yes, he did. But most Christians don't actually live up to it because he said, if you want to be first, be last. That's right. If you want to be the greatest in my kingdom, you got to be a servant. And we know what, actually, we know what uh, Professor Diller said a couple weeks ago. Correct. That we can um, substitute the word servant in the Bible as slave. Mm-hmm. So we can even take that even further. If we want to be the most highest person, we need to be a slave mm. to use really kind of, I don't know, harsh language, strong but language, yeah. strong language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To say this, this is what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He became a slave to the human sinful body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Think about that going yeah. from the divine mm-hmm to enslaving himself into the human body with the shackles that that has. He turned the power structure on its head. Yes, he did. With the intent to save us. And here we are trying to hold on to the little power that we think we have. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so crazy. It's so wild. Anyways, she kind of ends off, there's another paragraph here, but she kind of ends off this way. So I wonder if it's better just to be a friend and to share what gives me hope and stay out of the fray. I need Jesus' wisdom to know when to speak, what to say, and when to listen. And that, yeah. that's the line to me that I feel like so many people struggle with today. Mm-hmm. Because is it enough just to be a friend and to share what gives me hope and to stay out of the fray? Many people say, no, you need to be in the fray. Mm-hmm. Especially well, now. Yes, and, and it's true. Because right now what they're looking for is support. Mm-hmm. Support is what's needed to, to create the change that we want to see. Um, but I like what she says here. I need Jesus's wisdom mm-hmm. to know when to speak, mm-hmm. what to say, and when to listen. But here's the catch. Mm-hmm. When he does speak and tells you to speak, when he does tell you to do, will you? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where the, the, the rubber meets the road for this right. argument, right? Of, well, I, am I just going to be a spectator? Am I not going to just get involved? Am I just going to let it be? No, this is where you, where where you we see it. Mm-hmm. Where it's like God hasn't told you anything, or is it that you don't want to do it because you're afraid of something? Because what if He's telling you you got to give up your power? Mm. Yeah. But but she just finished saying that's one thing we don't want to let go of. Right. So then it's like, what if He's asking you to do that? Will you do it? Will you do it? And and, uh, and you that's know, what we, I, that's what we need to build towards though. Yeah. Like that's the growth process right there. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of conflict here. I think with everyone, because I, I personally I believe in personal conversations, and I believe if everyone if everyone just treated everyone civilly, if everyone <laughs> just treated everyone with love, mm-hmm. the impact that you could make is great. Yeah. Right. And once again, I don't want to criticize someone who isn't posting all over their social media because personally, I don't believe that does much in the end. No, it doesn't. I mean, it may bring a little bit of, you know, uh, light to it. It Mm. may let people know where you stand on it. Yeah. But it's only when people really get to know you and you really love people on an individual basis. Yeah. If every police officer did that, if every person who got pulled over did that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if I did that with every interaction I had, we wouldn't have these issues. Correct. Right. Well, but, we'd hope so. But then again, in this well, broken world. Well, if everyone world, did it, but we're broken. Yeah, so, this yeah. broken world, you know, this is kind of, but that's where the sacrifice comes in. Yeah. Where it's like, even if I'm not receiving it mm-hmm. in this way, I'm going to shell it out in that way yeah. because I'm going to treat others the way I want to be treated. You know, and that's, and that's what makes the world go round. 
Well, here, I want to affirm Amy because I think she shared some thoughts here that were in some ways are hard to share. Oh, yeah. And I, I want to affirm her and thank her for being part of this conversation because it helped us converse. That's right. And, and this is the thing. I don't want people to be afraid to say, I don't know what's happening here yeah. or I disagree with this. Correct. Because like I said, there's things that I disagree all the time. But if we can have these conversations and learn from each other, mm -hmm. we will hopefully strive for that unity we're, we're hoping for and the growth so mm -hmm. again reach out to us at diversity on a hill at gmail.com with the c diversity with the c or at our instagram at diversity on a hill and let us know what your thoughts are we want to uh hear from you so that way we can continue having this a uh, talk back segment you better talk back to us <laughs> so, oh man <laughs> what well, if my mom said that like you better talk back to me oh man i don't know what i would have done there yeah that would have been funny would have been interesting maybe i should try that with my kids one day uh like good, good luck yeah you better <laughs> talk back to me <laughs> and if i said it that way like a mean uh, i wonder what kind of mixed signals that would send I, should i should i try the psychological experiment on them good luck let okay. me know how it goes yeah, hey, hey, listeners. Let me pray for you. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, let's pray. So, Lord, uh, we thank you for allowing us to have this conversation. We thank you for our listeners. We thank you that they're having the courage, particularly Amy, to reach back and let us know what, what she felt and what she was thinking. And, Lord, my prayer is that, that you may draw close to us, that you may make your will clear to each and every one of us. And ultimately, Lord, that when you say go and do, we will because we know that you're with us always. Thank you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you. This is PJ, and I'm out. And this is PK. Many blessings. Till next time. <laughs>